We only have 10% of battery to film this podcast episode. Everyone heads up. We don't know how long it's going to be. And if it just ends abruptly, it's because my phone is tied. But I will say that we started the last episode on 15% battery and made it almost all the way without... How long was the last episode? <laughs> like 45 minutes. Was it really? Yeah. Speaking of which... Speaking of which, I'm Skyler. And I'm so... <laughs> Welcome to this week's podcast episode. We're filming this one right after the last one. Yeah, because we're getting ahead of the game. We're getting ahead of the game. You know what? I'm going to start us off with just a little oracle poll. What do we need to know about, this, about episode. this episode? Yeah. From the Mystical Wisdom card deck that I left downstairs by... This is one of your first decks like, no, ever, right? No, it's not. Or no? No. But I love that. Okay. Dove. Wait. Oh, I dropped it. Dove Cameron. Dove Cameron. She just won Best New Artist. Did she really? Yeah. Take a leap of faith. Let's just see what this says. Um, Dove Cameron. The sacred dove serves as a reminder <laughs> that there is always new hope and possibilities and miracles just waiting around the corner. Enjoy each day as an adventure and live each moment to the fullest. Take a leap of faith and trust where the universe is taking you. This is your time to seize your unlimited potential and embrace yourself for new beginnings, adventure, and joy. Here's the mantra of today's podcast episode. I live in peace. (laughs) I live in chaos. (laughs) Accept miracles, accept chaos. (laughs) And embrace new possibilities and stay exactly where you are. And stay exactly where you are and never change. Amen. (laughs) One time I got a birthday card from my sister. Uh Uh-huh. And it said, never change. Yeah. Like, love my sister. Yeah. And I remember looking at that thinking... You didn't write that? Not that she didn't write it, but just like, you know how some people, I just feel like that's not a thing that we say anymore, like as a yeah. collective people Yeah, at you're all. right. Because it used to be like, you've changed. You've changed. And I'd go, thank y'all. Right? <laughs> you know how like, in a, it used to be like, like a sweet, like a term of endearment to yeah. say never change. Yeah. But now we all realize that, like... Be like, yeah, that implies that, like, you that can only get worse you, from here. And so yeah, you like, will. don't grow, don't ever change. Yeah. Like, what? You're the best version of yourself now, so you can only go downhill from here. When you were <laughs> growing up, did you write hags in a yearbook? Were you a hags girl? No. I don't think so. Anybody who's ever gone to my high school is now going to go pull out their fucking... And that's all you've ever written in your whole life? Yeah, no, I don't think I did. Uh, I could name may- maybe four people right off the top of my head who definitely were hags girls that have signed my my hair. Your friend Austin was a hags girl? No. No? No. I don't believe it until I there see it. There was a girl named Randy. Definitely. Hags girl? Hags girl. Um, I, was this, I was the obnoxious gay kid. Oh god. People will sometimes... No! Sometimes people will send me pictures like that'll appear on a Facebook memory uh-huh. of something I've written in their yearbook yeah. and it'll pop up. Uh-huh. And... Oh God, I was the person that would take up like a whole page uh-huh. and write like, I had this one girl, her name was called her Patino. Okay. And it's just in big letters, Patino, you fucking rock. You know? I'm okay. so glad we got to spend this That's time together. so hetero of you. <sighs> and just like you one- fucking rock. You fucking rock. Like, I can't think of anyone I would have rather spent this year with. And then looking back, like I don't remember that person at all. You okay. know? <laughs> so yeah. like- yeah. Is that big Libra energy? I don't know. 
Probably. Just like saying everyone's my best friend, even though I didn't know their last name. Yeah, and taking up all whole page or like the front cover so that it, the moment is about you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. So you know, what? I... it's actually funny that we're talk that I'm talking about uh, your books and is it uh, like memories and stuff yeah. because the main thing I wanted to talk about today uh-huh. is actually really interesting. Really. Yes. And uh, it says, what do your earliest childhood memories say about you? Oh, no. Now, it's not always what you think. I want you to think back. Obviously, it's going to be impossible to know what your earliest memory is. But tell me. I am the same child as then as I am now. And I'm very aware of that. I've seen enough Uh photos and videos. And I know what I was into as a kid and what I'm into now. But narrate for me one of your earliest memories. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Picking paint off of my wall. <laughs> you used to eat it, right? <laughs> no, I didn't eat it. I just picked it off the wall. <laughs> paint the scene for me. It's like Neapolitan pink. <laughs> and picking the paint off I don't the wall. know how there ended up being a chip. I didn't start picking it. Like, there must have been a nick or something. Like, I bumped into it or something happened. And, Mm. like, it was... My bed was pushed up against the corner. um, And, like, the right corner by my head was pushed up into the corner. And I would pick the paint off the walls. (laughs) But then my mom would bitch at me about it because clearly, you know, like... You're picking the paint off the wall. Yeah, my mom would be like, don't fucking pick your bedroom walls. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And so I had a lot of stuffed animals. And (laughs) they weren't like... They weren't like cool, hip stuffed animals. They were like old, like, rabbits and like old, weird teddy bears and like very... Whatever. Almost antique looking stuffed animals. And I had this one, like, like, real ghetto-looking, like, doll named Jenny, and she was always naked. Her name was Jenny? Yeah, her name, I named her Jenny. (laughs) And (laughs) she had two pigtails, but she had curly hair originally, and I never brushed it, so it just became real, like... Two mats on the Real matted. (laughs) And she was never, ever fucking clothed, and she lost an arm, and she was still my favorite. (laughs) There's pictures of me holding Jenny and it's crazy. (laughs) I would line all of these fucking... And I used to have a blankie. Hmm. But my blankie was like... um, It was like really... Like it was a material that wasn't like cotton. It was almost like silky, but it wasn't silky. Mm -hmm. It it stayed cool all the time. Oh, okay. It was like I loved it because I could just put it on my face or whatever. And it just felt cool to the touch. Because you know me, I like to be cold. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, um, I would line all of my stuffed animals up against the wall area that I picked. So, I would, like, make my bed and, like, arrange them from, like, highest in the back. Like, they were taking, like, a Sears portrait photo uh, photo, and um, make my bed like that so that my mom couldn't see where I picked my wall. Also, I used to listen to 100.3 WNIC Pillow Talk at night. (laughs) With Alan all uh no, yeah, with Alan. I think his name was <laughs> It was like Pillow Talk. Which is literally what I listen to now with my meditation music, but it's like tracks to relax. <laughs> but it's pillow talk and it used to be like love power ballads that would like lull you to sleep. So that's how I was introduced to Celine Dion. 
and like all of these iconic like powerhouse powerhouse women, like love vocals. ballads yeah is my mom would let me listen to 100.3 WNIC pillow talk at night mm-hmm. and uh yeah and it'd be like every night like at midnight or something or like I would know that there was a specific time during pillow talk every night where they would do like a starlight star bright first star I see tonight wish I may wish I might have this wish I wish tonight and then he would go like something like now wish on that star and may your wishes come true and the one night I wished that my parents would get divorced and then they, they told did. me that they did and I like genuinely for years thought that like I was, because so, you made a wish I was so powerful talk. and manifesting that like yeah that that was that that was a lot of memories I'll put in one of different ages so it's actually interesting the way that you narrate your earliest memories oh thank you because a lot of people usually pick a clear lens through which to view the memories yours are very like objective okay as in like you don't attach a lot of like fundamental emotion to them I could (laughs) (laughs) but we're filming a podcast so I'm trying to keep it squeaky you know what I mean yeah so, like, okay, this was, like, one of my earliest memories. Like, I remember my mom came <laughs> and she said, she said, she said, Smith Alexandra, have you been playing with yourself? <laughs> and I was like, no. And my mom was like, I literally wasn't. She goes, let me smell your hands. And then she's like, go wash your hands. And I was like, I wasn't. And then she, like, made me go wash my hands. Okay, fair. You probably were playing with yourself. (laughs) I wasn't. I remember being like, I wasn't. (laughs) Not this time, Ma. I'm four. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how does that make everyone feel? (laughs) That's really (laughs) (laughs) something. So, oh, God. Okay, so. uh, Before we moved into, like, our first main house when I was little, we lived in this hotel. Okay, what age ranges are we talking about? I'm, like, four or five. And I'd say this is where, like, my earliest memories really start. I don't have anything really before that, obviously. Most people don't. Okay. I mean, I have a lot before that, but it was just the first one that came to mind when you asked me. I was, like, picking my pants. It's also debated scientifically if anyone can truly have a memory before the age of four. Because, um, as we'll learn, listeners, memories are fundamentally attached to language. And if we don't have the language to establish a memory, it's, like, almost impossible to remember it, which I find interesting. Which is why, when you remember a dream, it's so important to either say it out loud, write it down, or record it somehow, or you will literally never remember it. Yeah, you don't have that same language component attached to it. Yeah. And uh, my earliest memory is living in this hotel... Uh, it was one. Of, it was a connecting rooms. We lived there for a whole year, and like mom oh my and dad. God, so you were literally Shit's Creek. Yes. So mom and dad lived in the one room, and then my sister. So did you guys get free breakfast every day? We. It was a continental breakfast, so it was not a hot breakfast. And one of my earliest memories plays into this breakfast. So. Um, Wait, what? How have we never talked about this? So. Um, my Why sis- did you live in a hotel? I have too many questions. Our house was being built. Oh, I'm I know. My parents were building so a house. Rich. And my parents refused like- to live in an apartment for some reason because they were just not apartment people. So that they're hotel So they lived people? in a hotel. I guess because they cleaned everything That's for nice. you and all that. But yeah. anyways, my sister had this. Did you ever have any of the V-Tech Fusion products? 
Like there was the VTech Fusion uh, Palm Pilot yeah. or whatever. Ah! Yeah. So they just. Yeah, lit a core some, memory, like right? Like, an old, dusty plug was just fucking plugged back yeah. in. And we went... Basically, like, when those Palm uh, Pilots were really popular. And yes. they had a kid's version one. And you could it didn't have a backup light. You had to hold it under an actual light <gasps> and, like, type on it with a little stylus, you know? Oh. And you really couldn't do anything on it other than, like, play nope. with your calendar yep. or, like, play inside some I of the apps. I had one and I... Didn't use it, but I loved, loved it. Loved it. I don't here. know how else to describe it. I don't know. It was just it felt so grown up. I always had it. I always had it on me. But never I never used did it. anything with it. I bet you, if I found mine from childhood and opened up the notes, it would be so disturbing. Oh, it would my probably God. be the weirdest shit. But I love it. Anyways, my sister had a VTech Fusion laptop, quote unquote. Yeah. And it folded up like a laptop. However, it just had this tiny screen, like the size of a modern cell phone. Uh -huh. And all you could really do was type and save Word documents on it. Okay. But anyways, we all called it the laptop. Oh, the laptop. cute. And I pulled it from under my sister's bed, opened up some of her nail polish, and just painted all over it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I slid it back under her bed. And, uh, I don't know, a few weeks later or something, my mom sees all the nail polish on the laptop. And she was like, Taylor, why did you do this? Uh-huh. And, and you're like, yeah, Taylor, why'd you do that? <laughs> and so I said, yeah, why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I know you so well. Yeah. And so I... And whenever I think about that, I asked my sister about it, like, honestly, like a year or two ago. Uh -huh. And I was like, do you remember when we were so little, uh -huh. I painted all over your fake computer... And then asked you why you did it. <laughs> <laughs> and so another memory from there is uh, we had the free breakfast downstairs, but it was really just like a glass case with like bagels and raisin bread and okay, stuff like that, which is really all you need. And I remember that we weren't allowed to go down there without my mom at first. Uh -huh. Eventually we had free reign of the place, but yeah. at first we couldn't She's go. Like, these feral kids, these feral kids will survive. So yes, London and I spent a lot of time being like babies free roaming a hotel Is that which was amazing huh? you, work, you worked at a ho hotels because maybe my mom actually ended up working there at doing the night audit yeah like why wouldn't you work there if you live there too yeah and she, i remember her doing the night audit for a bit and uh but for breakfast we had to wait for mom to come downstairs with us and by the time we would get down there um all the good stuff was all gone. the good stuff was gone mm -hmm. and one day i, I peer into the trash can and I see that a, a man has only taken one bite. No, Skylar. Out of like the best raisin bread pieces. Skylar. And there was like two pieces in there. And so I just pull them out of the trash and I ate them. <gasps> Ew. You are gross. I know. It what is. the hell is that about? Yeah, you were probably playing with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I wasn't, mom. You want to know, want to know what's something funny? Yeah. I did not discover. Um, masturbation until i was okay, like i wasn't masturbating oh yes okay until i was like 13 or 14 years old like so much older than everyone else doesn't that explain so much it really does i was really old when i figured out that you could like jerk we, yourself off what i didn't know no one told me and like i didn't no one's supposed to tell you this is just a weird thing you discover on your own apparently yeah. not apparently for boys you need to be introduced to it by someone else to fully comprehend. Okay. No, that statistic is not true, first of all. That cannot be true. Because the way you just worded that was real 
weird and raping. Oh my god, not like as in like an adult needs to yes. show you how to like Stop. jerk okay, your penis we're, off. Anyways, I'm saying we're like done. a peer, okay. like a peer will tell you. Like, do you ever put your hand around your wiener? Okay, okay, this is I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> Because I'm like this is I'm so uncomfortable right now. It's how it works. That's how I learned. Someone explained it to me at school. Okay. Isn't that? But when you so were behind? fourteen, it was more like thirteen, probably. Thirteen. I know it's a little old. Obviously, you can. I get... was almost having this. <laughs> I know you can. <laughs> I was almost doing that with other. Like people. obviously, I was already familiar with like a boner. Definitely, okay. but Listen, you don't know I, what to do with this, it. You just assume. I don't know what I thought. I wish I could go back and interview thirteen-year-old me and be like, <laughs> yeah. "What did, exactly did you think? Yeah, was what, going on with what that? What happened there? You know." But if no one tells you, you don't know. So, anyways, we. Oh my god! Should we just talk about a little bit more like memories then? Yes, but, but let me not... re- let me read this really okay. quick. We experienced thousands of events across childhood, and yet as adults, we recall only a handful. So oh, I remember so many. What, so what do your earliest childhood memories say about you? Do they reflect your early skills for remembering, your interests, your individual experiences? Uh, basically, uh, our childhood memories are intricately shaped by our family and our culture, first of all. So, like, the way that we remember childhood is shaped by family and culture. So, like, our childhood memories are not objective, Obviously, because we were babies, and they were shaped by, shaped by our language, uh-huh. and shaped by the way that those memories were again repeated to us by peers and by adults, mm-hmm. which I find interesting. My entire childhood is recorded. <laughs> oh, like on a camera? Yeah, yeah, like I've seen my entire childhood. It says we also know um, bilingual adults who immigrated as children recall earliest memories in a different language. Um, in addition to language, children must also develop coherent senses of self, like who I am. So basically, it, you can't have a lasting memory unless you have the developed language of this happened to me. Because mm. without that, you don't have a filter for the world mm. and you just kind of experience everything as just yeah. this one thing. So while the development of language and sense of self enable our earliest childhood memories to form, family factors shape their contents. Within families, parents reminisce with their children multiple times a day. Uh, reliving family holidays, bonding over sibling hijinks, or reflecting on past trans- transgressions to discuss the lessons learned. Interestingly, however, there are strong individual differences. So, some parents use highly elaborative reminis- uh, reminiscing style, asking questions and providing event detail and structure. So others are less elaborative. Some parents also focus particular on emotional content. She was really sad. Why did she start crying again? While others focus more on factual details. So basically the way that we reminisce with people as we grow up has a huge impact on the way that our memories are stored and like recoded. What's the most important thing to getting the most detailed or like visceral recalling of a memory for you? Um... The definitely like the colors component and like just like the sense, the sensory yeah, same. experience, which seems like kind of counterintuitive. Like, I almost have to like spatially in my mind, like it was purple like, nail polish, right? You know, like I had to, you have to like really paint the picture and set the scene for me personally to get myself to a place where I feel like I can accurately recall the memory, mm-hmm. um, which is. I, maybe, like I thought maybe a Taurus moon thing, but when, I don't know if it's just like some people, I don't know, do that and some don't. 
my mom, I feel like growing up, whenever we would revisit things or talk about the past, mm-hmm. my mom definitely was like an emotional content person. I can see obviously. that. Obviously. Like, oh, we were so happy. You know, the sun was so bright. You know, like the the memory focus was on the emotional content of the memory. How everyone felt. Not necessarily on what actually happened, if that makes sense. Well, that's what happens. That's what happens with different types of people. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do, actually. I'm trying to think. And my dad was the opposite. If we were talking about a memory, it was, like, very facts-based. Like, we were doing this. This was happening. Someone was wearing this, you know? And, like, that emotional component was not there. That's the opposite for me. My dad uh, was a really... Emotional memory person? Emotionally-based memory person of being like, oh, I just remember I was so proud of you, like, Mm -hmm. or... um, And that means those mm -hmm. memories that you shared with mom and memories that you shared with dad are still, like, accurate memories, potentially, but they've been encoded differently. Yeah. Your experience of those memories doesn't necessarily reflect objective reality. They're they're layered over with the way you've revisited them. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to think of like my, my mom, like recalling things and how mm. she would approach it. I don't know. I it should be a really mix of the two in my opinion. Yeah. I feel like she, I feel like she, she did a, she does a mix of a, of the two. Um, I don't think she's super factual based and I don't think that she's super emotionally based. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really doesn't recall from my, like she didn't, she wasn't someone who recalled a lot of things. Um, but she had her likely. core, like she had her core things that she really remembered and talked about a lot. And then I don't think she remembered that much from like a certain age before that. And like people had to remind her of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like maybe I would be like that too if again my entire childhood wasn't like on VCR that I could go and watch all the time. Like I would, I loved said that before. Like I loved watching like home videos, family videos. Um, it's harder to do that as an adult when you watch <laughs> them and you realize, oh my god, this yeah, a lot. Um, but I just thought it, I honestly I really liked watching myself, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I really liked watching my brother um, when he was younger because it's one thing to watch yourself when you're younger, but it does, I mean, it's like, oh, wow, that's me. That's what I used to be like and look like and whatever. But when you're nine, 10, watching yourself at two, three, it feels like you're just watching another person, but that you're supposed to know that person really well. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I would watch like my brother react to something like opening up a stocking or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, but doing a craft on Easter or um, whatever, I felt like it. I was learning about people like I could had context because my brother and I were so close growing up and we were only 16 months apart. So I could be like, I know everything about my brother. I know you know, his habits, his tics, his preferences, his the way he speaks and all of this and watching him at younger ages that I don't recall unless I watch it. It was like I was studying people in a different way. And like my test subject was my brother. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't quite do that the same way with myself. Yeah. Because it was not, it just wasn't the same. Yeah. Um. So... 
But I did learn a lot about myself as well by watching me. I mean, I was a bitch then and I'm a bitch now. <laughs> so I kind of just was like, I'm going to either embrace this or... <laughs> um, yeah, so... <clears throat> so listen to this. Um, <clears throat> broader family structures and experiences play a role. In Italy, children growing up in intergenerational households tend to have earlier childhood memories and more childhood memories than children growing up in traditional nuclear families. So basically people that grow up with grandparents that live with them, like oh. live in the house, tend to have earlier memories for whatever reason. That is interesting. This probably occurs due to more opportunities to engage in rich and elaborative reminiscence. Mm. In contrast, parents and children experiencing depression show a tendency for overgeneral memory. That is, difficulty recalling specific memory details. Poorer quality parent-child reminiscing is related to overgeneral memory among three- to six-year-olds. So basically, if your parent is depressed, you are less likely to ever remember something. That's so funny. It's weird, too. Because it makes sense. Yeah. Like, for my own life. Like, mm-hmm. different periods that are, like, very blank and vacant in uh-huh. my mind. Same. You know? same, so- same. Same. <laughs> but, however, it makes sense also to not... What's the point of remembering all of that, really? Right. Like, it, it's like you basically just... It's helpful, yeah. honestly. Like, what? I, I have no it's use so for those It's so funny memories. because the glimpses of memories that I do have during the time where a particular parent was very Sad. depressed... Um, the, the glimpses into those memories that I do remember are really heartbreaking and traumatic. So I think, like, whatever it is, like, whether it's suppressing or mm-hmm. whether it's just, again, like, why would you try to hold on to memories during a spot where, you know, you're around someone who's that sad and things like that. Yeah. For whatever the reason is, like, it's probably best that we don't remember a whole lot because the ones I do remember are, like, mm-hmm. I wish I didn't. You know what I mean? Um but yeah, I love that. <laughs> love that for us. So there's some cultural factors too. Like I said, like the Italian families. Just as our earliest childhood memories reflect our reminiscing conversations with our parents and our overarching family experiences, they also appear to reflect broader cultural practices. For instance, in the West, we have individualist memories. American college students' earliest memories are typically long, specific, and self-focused. Wait, which one? Like, American college students. Okay. Basically, in the West, whenever we have an earliest memory, we're at the center of the memory. Yeah. And it's a long memory, and it's self-focused. Something that we were That's exactly what I did when I recalled my picking of the... Mm -hmm. But I was also, like, really trying to go deeper into it, like, for the sake of the podcast. Yeah. Um, And you asked me what's your earliest memory, so I would think that right about myself but, but when people in collectivist cultures such as china are asked about their specifically their earliest memories chinese students earliest childhood memories are typically very brief and more likely to reference their social responsibilities interesting american like what life. um i guess like oh i just rem- my guess based on like the context yeah. of this article is that they were like Oh, I remember being so young and thinking I needed to be a good kid for my parents, you know, or something like that. American mothers are also more likely than Chinese mothers to focus on their child's own personal emotional experiences when remembering together. And it is likely that these early parent-child conversations serve as mechanism for imparting cultural norms. Weird. In New Zealand, where Maori culture includes a rich oral tradition in which oral. 
stories are shared across generations, Maori mothers have been found to rem- reminisce differently than mothers around the world about important life events. When talking with their children about their own birth stories, Maori mothers include more elaborations, more references to emotion, and more references to time. That means that the earliest average memory of a Maori person starts at two and a half years old, earlier than anywhere else on the planet. So, like, the impact of language on our brain at the earliest, like, onset could have something to do with, like, storing memories. good... Thing. I don't have my own child that I've birthed because that little shit would know and remember everything. Oh, because you're because a reminiscer? I would, yeah, I would literally describe like a placenta or something coming up to a, like, a little infant. You know what I mean? It was sticky. I would just, I would tell, I would just describe the everything and it's mm. probably not good. <laughs> <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> but basically, there's also like another thing, another article I was talking about this guy named Alfred Adler. Hitchcock? Alfred Adler. He has like Adlerian psychotherapy. Okay. And it was talking about basically his whole thing is that our earliest memories are something called the guiding fiction. Okay. So the content of our earliest memories is a map for like our lives now, the way we talk about earliest memories. And he said something huh. in here. And it said, um, 